Real people. Real opinions. Real talk radio. The multi-award-winning Niall Boylan Show. Classic Hits. Child care centres are to open on Monday as part of the exit plan uh, for the COVID-19, the next phase, phase three. And while parents all over the country are breathing a sigh of relief, there's still a bit of worry around about the move. Recent figures show 57% of parents are not comfortable sending their children back to childcare or creche or school for that matter. But most have no choice, of course. They have to go to work. So I want to get your thoughts on sending your children back to creches, back to childcare or Montessori's or whatever it happens to be. And are you worried about it or maybe you're over the moon? Now, I'm going to be speaking to Ollie Sheen, owner of uh, Mary Geary Childcare in Cork, about what parents and children can expect when they reopen. But before I do that, I want to ask you what you think of sending your children back to childcare. Are you comfortable with the idea? Now, you know, Tony Holohan has said, you know, the virus is suppressed in the community. There's still the odd case floating around every now and again. That could see a little bit of a resurgence, of course, with everybody kind of not really, well, a lot of people are not social distancing. Um, but in saying that, you know, everybody's back together again. Workplaces are back open. So the point is, you know, there's a possibility those cases will go from six or seven or ten a day back up to 50 or 60 cases a day. Hopefully more people won't die. But back up to, you know, the, the infection is going to spread a little bit. So how do you feel about your children going back to childcare? Now, joining me on the line is Elaine uh, Dunn-Murphy uh, from the Federation of Childcare Providers. And we've spoken to Elaine before. Good afternoon to you, Elaine. And also, Ollie Sheen, who's the owner of the Mary Geary Child uh, Care in Cork. Uh, I'll go to Ollie first. Uh, Ollie, I mean, parents not feeling comfortable sending their kids back. I mean, how can you reassure them, you know, everything will be safe and above board. Okay, Noel, thanks very much for having me on. Uh, Noel, I suppose the first thing to say is that, look, the most important thing is that the children are safe and the staff, people that are working here are safe. So since we closed on the 12th of March, we've been preparing for reopening, you know? Yeah. Uh, so what we've done is basically we have, we've prepared the document. Uh, it's called the Site Operating Procedures, right? Manual. And um, so... I suppose the first thing to, to bear in mind is that, you know, social no social distancing for under sixes, it just doesn't work, okay? Yeah, of course so it doesn't work. Obviously, from a parent point of view and from a staff point of view, you know, everyone is very anxious to know how is this going to work out and, and um, you know, it's going to be very difficult. But give you a simple example, right, you know, just a very basic, right, the parents and the children, before they come, we have... We have, uh, we, we, they, they, they have received videos, they've received contacts, we've been, in talk, we've been talking directly with all our parents. Um, they, they, so they're, they're aware of when they arrive exactly what, what's required of them. Because it won't be like the old times, it won't be like January, they, no, they won't be able to come inside. So I'm assuming the kids will be picked up by the staff outside the buildings. Is that the way yeah. it's going to work? Well, like, like for us now, we're probably a little bit unique. But many many have, kids we, do you have, by the way? Many kids. Uh, we have 280 children. Right, okay, that's, that's a big place then, isn't it? Right. Yeah. So that's are, a, well, I mean, and, and, and is your capacity now going to be limited in any way by the, well, the restrictions? At this moment in time, like we're going to have next Monday, next week, we're going to have sixty percent capacity. Sixty percent. Everyone that wanted a place, we have a place for them next okay. week. Okay. Okay. So that's that's about sixty percent at the moment, and I expect by the end of the month of July we'll be probably somewhere between 80 and 90%. Right, know? okay. So there's always so, a few spaces there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, right. and like, we're, we're looking in that, all, we built, we opened a new building there just just this time last year. And so 
our building happens to be designed so no one depends for specifically. Obviously, we didn't have COVID in mind, but it turns out we have every room has its own outdoor garden. So parents can actually access their own room without ever coming into the building by going to the private garden for each room. And what, and what about the staff themselves? Okay, because this is an important part of the whole combination of everything. So, I, I mean, how many staff would you need for that many kids? You need how many staff per child do you need or per okay. child? Norm, like, for example, if it was a baby room, you'd be talking about three children from one member of staff. Right, right? okay. If it, if it was a preschool child that's say, four and a half years old, it might be eight to one. Okay. So, from that point of view, no, both... Because okay, so well, now the point I was going to get to, sorry for interrupting, was, yeah. okay, no. so it, we, we understand that children are not going to social distance, right? That's that's just yeah. a given. You're not going to tell a five-year-old he has to stay away from his mate, right? But yeah. in saying that, what about the staff? I mean, because clearly they interact okay. with each other. Yes. You will have a canteen area. I mean, exactly. are, they, are, are they going to be interacting? Is it a case of, look, we're just going to have to do this? No, it's, it's not. It's not at all. In that, what's going to happen is, is that each room is self-sufficient in our situation, right? So it will have its own microwaves, toasters, kettles, whatever, right? Yeah. And so we, the meals, the dinners would be dropped to the door, to the door of the room. So we'd have extra staff required for doing things like that. We'd have extra staff for cleaning. But the people within that are working with the children, they won't have to be coming out of their room or their bubble, right? So what's going to happen then as well is that, say, even if there's only going to be two staff in any room, that's maximum, right? Okay. So what we're going to do is there's going to be someone in in our site operating procedures manual. One person answers the phone. One person has the tablet. So that's not being swapped around. Okay, and so basically it's to try to avoid these touch points, as they call them. Yes, yes exactly. okay. Oh, well, hang on. Do me a favour, Ali. Just stay there for a second with us. I mean, uh, Elaine uh, Dunmurphy, who's from the Federation... Pardon me, the Federation of Early Childcare Providers. Good afternoon to you, Lane. I mean, Hi, uh, yeah, Ali from the you know the Mary Geary Childcare in Cork seems to have done everything he's supposed to do. Uh, the regulations at the moment, and I'm not too sure what sort of guidelines you've been given by the government. How are your members coping with these regulations for Monday? I mean, will they be able to deal with it? Uh, we're doing everything we possibly can. Believe it or not, an awful lot of us are using Ali's policies because Ali put a fantastic document out there to the sector, to the Federation members. So, so has it just been renamed Ali's policy? <laughs> yeah, it, it, Ali did this fantastic um, policy and we sent it, it was sent in um, to the department, it was sent in to um, the minister, it was sent in to Leo Varadka's office. And well it's done, Ali. Amazing, it's an amazing policy and um, Every, I would think that a lot of us in, within the Federation membership anyway were using his policy and I'm using it here in my service and it's, it's very reassuring because it's very clear and concise and it gives you the complete guidelines of what's the right way to go about Jeez, it. Ali, you should have put a patent on that one. You might have made a few quid <laughs> out of it in the long term. Huh? Okay, but, okay, so Elaine, do you think, so, I mean, what percentage of your members are going to be open on Monday or are there, are there going to be some that will struggle, you know, with space to implement, you know, Ali's policy or government guidelines? Um, I, we're all trying our very best to open up on Monday. I know quite a number that aren't opening, to be honest. I don't have the exact numbers. And the reason they're not opening is because operational costs um, are not been met and that's going on a lot within the sector. But to be, to reassure parents, 
that in every single service across the country that is opening on Monday, we have put in every single protocol that we possibly can. Within reason, obviously. Yeah. Well, the health, safety and well-being of the children, we can't guarantee, like anywhere in any job, you can't guarantee that the COVID is not going to come into your service. But my gosh, we're going to do everything that we can to stop it from coming in. Yeah, you've taken the responsible approach too. But are you surprised to hear that 57% of parents are not comfortable sending their children back? I'm surprised by that figure. No, I, I'm, I'm not actually, um, because I'm getting it here with my own parents, and I've heard it across our membership as well. They're all saying the same thing, that they've only got like 20%, 30% coming back in. But again, it boils down to confidence within the sector. You know, the parents see that, you know, they were confident in open, opening up our doors. And we certainly are confident in, in, you know, ensuring that we are doing the very best that we can. And um, hopefully, by as Ali said, by the end of July, you will see that confidence growing and more and more children coming back into the sector and more and more services opening up around the 20th of July as well. You know, at the moment, that the people that aren't opening up, it's down to financial difficulties. It's funding that the funding model doesn't work for us. And, and what is the main, what seems to be, Elaine, the main worry of parents? Because I think we're all fairly reassured now that children, je- definitely under the age of 12, certainly. I mean, there has been some case of children 15 to 35 uh, being COVID positive, which doesn't necessarily mean, by the way, they're extremely ill or anything like that, just COVID positive. But under the age of 12, it does seem that, you know, there isn't very, I think sparse cases around the world, very few cases of anybody under the age of 12 even getting this or dying of this or being very sick from this. So uh, what is the main concern then? If it's, we all know that, that children are not really at risk. Is the main concern catching it off another kid and bringing bringing it home again. Is that the concern? Well, that's what I'm hearing, yes. That, you know, a child can come in with the COVID and we may not know it, you know, may have a runny nose. And before before the symptoms show, they're already ill. And I suppose parents are just a little bit apprehensive and the fear is there. But, but the didn't the WHO, put out, the WHO put out a statement that through their contact tracing around the world, and they'd have all the data from all the different countries, there's no evidence of any case where a child passed it to an adult. So, uh, under the age of 12. So, I mean, does that is that not reassurance for parents enough that, that it's really, really rare or very unlikely a child, even if 10 children in the place had COVID or 10 staff had COVID, that that child is going to bring it home to their parents? Well, I suppose, yes, it should be reassurance. But then, you know, parents are still, it, there's that fear of the COVID and, and that's something we have to look at. Mm. And the other side of it is, is that some parents have, are not going to work. They may be still working remotely from home. And, uh, and then there's other parents who may just be on the COVID, on the, on the full payments, and they, they, you know, they're not back at work yet, and that's why they're not sending their children in. I don't think it's solely down to COVID. I think there's, there's more than one or two issues okay. with parents not sending their children back. And from your point of view, from a staffing level, I mean, are the government going to continue to subsidise your industry, you know, i.e. by the, you know, the payments they would, that you would get from COVID salaries, etc.? Is that going to continue? I know in the UK they're continuing that right up to October. Here we don't seem to be quite as generous, but they have talked about continuing to support small business. So, I mean, what's in it for you? I mean, obviously, okay. you're going to be restricted by numbers for a period of time. Uh, so, yes. what, what's in it for you? Okay, so the TWSS is, is remaining in place, but there's no um, 50% anymore um, cost or the 30% for wages for the staff. That's all gone from the department, so we're not getting any of that. So, it, it's up to your parent fees then to pay your staff the rest of the wages. The other issue that we have come across quite a lot is that a lot of our staff... Uh, like have already, they've got their own children, so they'll have to get a childminder to mind their children. They may have underlying conditions. So a good uh, number of services within the sector are now hiring new staff who cannot avail of the TWSS. 
that is causing a huge issue within the sector because a lot of us don't have the money to pay full wages because our capacity is so low. And we have called on um, the Taoiseach Leo Radka to try and help this or resolve this. And we are now calling on the revenue to have a look at that as well and to add on you know, the people, the new staff members that are coming in to please help us. We are the sector that's opening up to get the mm-hmm. economy going. So we need help here. We can't do there's, this there's no, there's no VAT in your sector, is there? No, there's no. No, no, okay. But, okay, let me just go back to Ali. Ali, in relation to, to what I was talking about and the fear that parents have out there, and I, I believe some of it is irrational, but genuinely people do have fear. And maybe they have fear of going back to work themselves so then they don't need to have their, their kids looked after. But, I mean, financially, Ali, how are you going to fare off? Do you think you... When, when do you think you'll be back to full steam? Um, look, I, we don't see that. Like, this year, it's a case of, look, just making sure you try and survive without a loss. Okay, that would be that would be. I see that what's going to run through for the year, right? No, look, there is like Elaine said there, and thanks Elaine for the nice words you said there earlier, kind words. But what I would say is that, and I'm also a member of the federation there, and there's wonderful work being done there within within it. But what I would say is that it's it's really difficult for parents after three months of three months of, like, stay inside, you know, be careful, keep your children away, isolate. It's not just, like, turning on a switch saying, okay, everything is okay now, off you go again, you know. Now, the extra cost factor, we have, there's extra cleaning, there's extra staff, and, like, for example, we previously, we would have had a room maybe with three staff in it. For the moment, for the short to medium term, that room now will only have two staff. So, like I said earlier, you know, if you had a room with, with six babies, two staff, previously we would have had three staff with nine babies. We are not going to have that. So there is also, like, the last day of the income. Okay. So, and, yeah, there is sacrifices to be made in the name of sanitization. I understand exactly. that. Okay, and by the way, just, just finally in relation to insurance, which is, uh, has been a, a big problem for the last couple of years anyway, where do you stand? Because I'm concerned going forward for workplaces, and I don't mean just in relation to parents, you know, coming on and making some sort of claims. But there is this suggestion that you know uh, people going back to work could sue their employer if they get COVID nineteen, for example. Uh, okay. You know, if the employer has a weakness anywhere in relation to responsibility. Now, I personally don't agree with it. I believe that everybody should have to sign a consent form to go back to work to say that there is a risk. There's always going to be a risk. It's like it's like you, you could never sue your employer for getting the flu either. So the point is. Is where do you stand with insurance? Have the insurance companies hiked the insurance and will they cover the cost of liability if somebody takes a case, if a child or if an adult gets COVID-19 from their child who was in the crash? I mean, will they cover that? Okay, first thing first is that um, the, we, the document that there's a return to do, work document as well that that's that signed. And basically, you know, you're, you're, you, you, you mentioned... But if you have an underlying condition, if you're a, a high risk, a medium risk or a low risk, and then if you're on a high risk, it's necessary to get a letter from your GP stating that, you know, you are OK to return. But obviously for everyone, you know what, it might not just be, it might be anxiety, it might be fear. We have a, a few members of professional staff here that one or two saying, you know what, I'm just not ready for this yet. Is it OK if you give me a little bit of time and space? And look, you you know, that's absolutely fine because you cannot and should not be forcing anyone to come back in if mm. they are not entirely comfortable. So it's up to us to make, first and foremost, make everything as good and as safe as we possibly can. And by doing that, 
that kind of answers the second one a little well, bit. Well, does it answer the second one? And let me just, because I have to wrap this up, let me just go to Elaine in relation to the second one. Generally speaking, across the whole sector, Elaine, insurance okay. has been a problem for years anyway, before this yes, even came on. Okay, but um, so where, what, what's the insurance company's stance if somebody comes along and says, I was in work, staff member, or indeed a parent of a child, and says my child got COVID-19 or I got COVID-19 while I was working there, you know, I'm going to sue you. Where do the, because I mean, there, this is a big concern for a lot of industry, by the way, not just childcare, obviously, a lot of industry. Where, where do you stand on that? And will the insurance companies cover this? Okay, so I'm speaking to Erica a couple of weeks ago. What they said was that they would, um, once all guidelines and policies and procedures were followed, in within the service, then they would have to cover any um, if there was anything going on within the service. And if, if the staff member would also have to prove that they caught the COVID within the service, which is something that's very difficult. How do you know where you caught, you caught the COVID? Well, this is true. Whether yeah. you know whether it be in a shop or carriage at home, you know, you just don't know where. So they would have to prove that as well that they caught it in. So there'd be a, okay. There so, but is, is there a, is there a disclaimer for staff coming back to work? Like Ali rightly pointed out, whereby you sign some sort of consent form to say that you don't have an underlying condition. You're not so you're not more at risk than anybody else, and that obviously you realise you're returning to a workplace where there is other human beings and there's always a, you know, a rare possibility that you could catch something. Yeah, I, I think services are doing that off their own back. So each service may be doing a little bit the same or you know, something like that. And mm. um, I have heard of that going on across the sector a little bit, all right. Yeah. Um, but again, it boils down to the like this, and no disrespect to anybody, but we all have to, if I got it, I would have to prove that I got it within my service. Yeah. You know what I mean? And it's the same across any business. I well, would say I, I, I think, I think for every citizen of the country, it's a case of we all have to go and learn to live with it, I suppose, and, yeah. and for the time yeah. being anyway. Well, look, yeah. I wish you both, uh, by the way, well done on your policy, Ali, by the way. Um, it's a pity you didn't put some money on that one. But anyway, well, well done to Ali, and well done to you, Elaine. Nice to have you on the air again. And Thanks good luck so much, on Monday, man. opening back up again. All right? Thanks so much. All right. Thanks, Bye. Okay, well, there you go. You've heard what they're doing. They're implementing lots of new rules, guidelines, policies to make sure that your children are safe and make sure their staff are safe as well, of course. Still some staff, still a little bit sketchy about going back. 57% of parents sketchy about even leaving their kids there. When, I mean, you know, everybody knows at this stage, under the age of 12, it's quite clear the WHO put out comments and stuff all about it. There's evidence out there to suggest it. Under the age of 12, the WHO have absolutely looked at all the con- they call contact tracing, where, in other words, where people get it. And there's no evidence by the WHO that a child has ever passed it on to an adult under the age of 12. So that should be some level of reassurance for you in relation to your child. If you're maybe a worker and you're going back to work, obviously we can't say the same because you're adults. I mean, you could catch it off each other. Depends on where you've been the night before. But then again, I suppose the main thing to look at that, even if you are an adult working in childcare and you catch COVID-19, the vast majority of people who catch COVID-19, you know, don't really have any serious symptoms. And the vast majority of those who do have serious symptoms, which is a very small amount of people, don't go to hospital. And those who do go to hospital, the vast majority of those will walk back out the door again. It's very rare that somebody actually dies. The mortality rate is a lot lower than we initially thought on COVID-19. So I would say to people, it's something we just have to live with and we have to start moving on. Of course, keep within the guidelines. Real people, real opinions, real talk radio. The multi-award winning Niall Boylan Show. Classic hit.